Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Thank you for joining me again on another episode. We have listeners in 48 states and in the District of Columbia. We have in Canada, we have listeners in Alberta, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia. We have listeners in Australia, state of New South Wales, Western Australia, Queensland. We also have listeners in Germany, New Zealand, United Kingdom, France, Russia, Panama, Norway, Japan, Ireland, Switzerland, Poland, Colombia, Slovenia, Portugal, Mexico, South Korea, Italy, Finland, Algeria, Denmark, Bahamas, and Belgium. I want to give you a, a warm thank you from the bottom of my heart. The biggest reason I'm doing this is so that we can talk to those that need encouragement in a way that will help make them feel brave. That's the whole reason of this podcast. It's a paraphrase of 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14. And after hours, we're obviously not alone. I mentioned all those countries, but we also have other specific supporters. Sean is one of our supporters. Sean, can you give us a few quick words? Thank you, Sam. It's important for us to remember, while facing medical tyranny today, what our founding fathers wrote in the Declaration of Independence nearly 250 years ago. Consider this excerpt from that declaration at the birth of our nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now back to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov. Thank you, Sean. Those words are so important right now. We, as a world, have to pledge together our life, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Those words are just as important today as they were then. We have another supporter. He's going to go by the code name Silverhawk. Silverhawk, can you give us a word or two? Hi, this is Silverhawk. Here after hours, we love to learn from those who came before us. Abraham Lincoln said, You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Today is a day to fight for our constitutional rights. So tomorrow our children can live in the land of the brave and the land of the free according to God's sovereign will. This is Silverhawk. Back to you after hours. Thank you, Silverhawk. Those words are amazing. Coming up on President's Day, it, it's just perfect that we're, we're having so much from our history and our past. But, but for those listeners that are not in America, the Constitution is not just about America. What's enshrined in the Constitution is basic human rights. What God expects you to have as a human being. The Telegraph recently had an article entitled, Vegan restaurants are closing across the UK because not enough people follow the diet to sustain. Um, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go go look back at episode 5, Chewing the Fat. I have had a few requests to do a little bit more of Chewing the Fat. Um, maybe we'll get around to it at some point. But yeah, there's a reason why those restaurants can't stay open. There's also... I'm a firm believer that when you're over the target, you get the most flack. Now, some people may think that 
my episode entitled Chewing the Fat was a bit crazy. But take a listen to this and tell me what you think. I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat, and eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weapon, weaponized it, eating meat, eggs, and dairy. So that thought of it being white suppression and gender bias, blah, 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 whatever. I don't even know what those words mean. I don't think she knows what those words actually mean. I think they, they think they sound intelligent using a string of words that doesn't actually make sense because they're eating too many vegetables. But that was actually in the Canadian Parliament and how they're trying to push people to eat less meat. Now, you know, let's never mind the fact that humans have eaten almost exclusively animal products for thousands of years. And if you want to get into millions, sure, you could say millions, I don't know. But for almost all of eternity, and only recently have we been so high-minded and so full of ourselves and arrogant that we think that we would be able to survive on a plant-only diet when minerals and nutrients that we absolutely need that are called essential, meaning our body can't make them, they can be found in animals. And they can only, some of them can only be found in animals. Okay, so I, that, that's absolutely insane. Did you hear what she was saying? Like, it disproportionately hurts women and children? Well, yeah. Cutting the meat and animal products out of the diet will disproportionately hurt women and children. And it's not just a masculine thing to, to eat meat because all humans have eaten animals and animal products for thousands of years. And I'm not sure what she thinks the words are to that song, but it's not cows just want to have fun or fish just want to have fun. Maybe... Maybe she wasn't really aware much in the 80s when that song was a big popular hit, but it's girls want to have fun, not fish. But now let's, now let's hear the contrasting side of that and see what that perspective is. I'm Michaela Peterson, and it's my pleasure to oppose the House's motion that we should move beyond meat. I'll start with my absolutely absurd health experience uh, that's received widespread negative media attention on top of being fairly unpleasant to live through. My diseases were put into complete remission by an all-meat diet. No plant food. I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was seven, with symptoms starting when I was two. I had 37 affected joints. I spent 16 years being treated with immunosuppressants. I injected twice weekly, starting when I was eight, and then other medications to treat my many other diagnosed health ailments, chronic fatigue, and severe, absolutely crippling depression. I lost my hip and my ankle, that's why I wore this skirt, so you can see this, to arthritis um, and had them replaced when I was 17. I tried going the medical route uh, and it didn't work. When I was 23, my skin had started to break down from rashes and those stopped healing. 
I couldn't sleep on my shoulders, and I was so mentally unstable I couldn't have a relationship. My right wrist felt like it was going to be next for my third joint replacement. I went back to school for biomedical science, and I decided to reduce my diet dramatically just to rule it out, not because I thought it had anything to do with my health. I cut it down to meat and whole foods, and within two months, it eliminated nearly all of my symptoms. I managed to get off of SSRIs and Adderall and immune suppressants. We were absolutely shocked. Two months of that limited diet put me into remission after 20 years of an autoimmune disorder that destroyed my joints. Soon after that, I had a baby, and that, plus stopping my SSRIs way too quickly, brought my autoimmune symptoms back along with SSRI withdrawal and depression. I can't begin to describe the level of terror of having diseases return and losing my mind to depression again. A year later, again out of sheer desperation, to eliminate my autoimmune symptoms and depression, I reduced my diet further and I went down to just meat. And I knew that that wasn't bothering me based on how I could feel after I ate it. I figured you can't be allergic to meat. I thought I was only going to be on that for a month and then I was going to be able to reintroduce foods back in and eat normally. However, that wasn't the case. It took six months for my autoimmune symptoms to go away, but then they did and my depression went away and I was in remission again. Now, since then, I've tried to reintroduce plant foods because I actually like cake and fruit and other foods and I don't really want to be on this diet, but I can't introduce anything without having my autoimmune symptoms come back. In my opinion, this type of potential treatment for disease needs to be studied further before we move beyond meat. Thank you. She's absolutely right. I've actually had two patients with rheumatoid arthritis go on the carnivore diet, so meat only, and all of their symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis went away completely, and they were able to stop their, their medications that help them. I've had two patients... I don't know if cure is the right word, but throw their diabetes into complete remission. If you want to learn more about it, you know, look at episode number five, Chew in the Fat. Um, I'm just, I'm so amazed right now that, that Canada is the epicenter of all of these battles going on in the world. And Canada is doing an amazing job. These truckers, they're the most peaceful protests I've ever seen. Even in the face of when people are trying to take gas from them. Now, you know, before I, I ever, you know, typically in the past I would have thought, oh, they're trying to take their gas. Well, that stinks. No, let me put it in a little more perspective for you. I lived three years in Alaska. And for those three years in Alaska, you know, in the winter, it gets incredibly cold. And let's say you're in a vehicle and it's negative 20 outside. And let's say you want to leave, but you can't because everyone's blocked you in. Like, you, you can't leave even if you wanted to because there's trucks all around you and they've blocked you in. I mean, you probably don't want to leave because you're trying to stand up for something that's right. And let's say in this truck you've got you, your wife, your child, a couple children, maybe a dog instead, or it's just you. And now you're about to run out of gas. It's negative 20 out. To me, in my opinion, someone keeping gas from getting to those trucks or actually even going so far as to arrest people bringing gas to those people in those trucks is akin to manslaughter. 
because it's life-saving to have diesel brought to you at that point because you will freeze to death and very quickly. And I, I pray that those truckers keep their strength and their wits about them and remain peaceful and continue to protest. The government only gets its ability to rule us because of the consent of the governed. If you don't like what's going on, you get up and you get out and you change things. The next thing I want to bring up is the mothers in the United States. They're starting to stand up, which is amazing. Mothers and truckers, mother truckers, God love them. Mother truckers are saving this world. Now, if you find yourself in, in a category that has similar feelings, but maybe you're not a mother, maybe you're not a trucker, or maybe you're both, it doesn't matter. Stand up, get up, go tell someone, tell your elected officials how you feel. And if they don't listen, vote them out. If they still don't listen, see if you can impeach them, see what your local laws are. Go to your school board meetings. This needs to end. At the beginning of this, I, I thought all this was bad. I thought this was going to be like 1918 all over again. It's not. The real badness is what we've done. I mean, there's an article that came out, a study, that said that all of the lockdowns and everything only helped by 0.2%. 0.2%. Let's round that. If we were to round that, it would round down to zero. It did nothing to help decrease the spread of the disease. But what it did do is it destroyed entire economies. And it's not about money. So, so don't, don't think, oh, he's just a capitalist. You know, he just loves money. He's just a doctor and he wants his money. No, it's not about that. When you destroy economies, people die. Because how does food get to people? Well, it has to be grown. Either raised on a farm or grown in a field. And then it has to be either harvested or slaughtered and then it has to be transported and then transported and packed and brought to the market and people have to have money to be able to buy it. Where do you think people get that money to buy it if the economy crashes and their money's worth nothing? That's why economy is so important and destruction of the economy is so bad. And then let's look at the other side of it. Now we've had two years. There are children in this world that have never seen a face outside of their own home they don't know what words sound like unless they're muffled underneath a mask. There are children that are drawing pictures of faces, and they don't put faces or smiles on those stick figures anymore. They put masks in front of them. How sad is that? How, how terrible it is that we've destroyed an entire generation, that if we even stop this very moment, we could not undo the damage we've done, decrease in IQ points, you know, increase in suicidality, increase in depression, anxiety, just making our children fearful of everything. Teach your children to be brave and to be strong and teach them that that doesn't mean not to be afraid. There's John Wayne that once said, being brave doesn't mean being scared. It means saddling up anyway. And that's what you got to do. You got to saddle up. You have to get out there and you have to show your kids what it's like to be brave. Not tell them. Words don't matter. It's what you do. Because Jordan Peterson has taught us that what you truly believe is what you do. You may say, well, I believe this and I believe that and I think this, but that, that's not what you think. What you do with your life is what you truly believe and what you think. So make it count. 
This is the time to start standing. The enemy, and I don't mean a person, I'm talking about the unseen realm. The enemy is on, on their heels right now. They're backing up. They won't be like that for long. The enemy walks around like a lion, ready to devour you. Ready to devour your son, your daughter, your wife, your mother, your husband, your brother, your sister. So how do we help? Well, first, we get involved. We make our faith strong so that we put on the full armor of God. So that we can extinguish those flaming darts of the evil one. And then we go out and we help others by speaking to those who need courage in a way that helps them become brave. That's the whole point of all of this podcast is so that you feel like you can go do it because you can. But I'll tell you this, if you kneel to reduce the pain that's brought upon you, it will never end. Here's a perfect example of why you should never kneel why you don't give any ground. Never. Now, in America, we, we were brought up to compromise. We compromise on certain things, like how things are done, not principles. We don't compromise on our morals. We don't compromise on our, on our faith. Because if you do, this is what happens. So make no mistake. The border cannot and will not remain closed. I want to remind everyone that politicians don't direct police in a democratic society. But I can assure you that the RCMP is working with provincial and local police departments to enforce the law. Everything is on the table because this unlawful activity has to end, and it will end. To my Canadian brothers and sisters, stay strong. I wish I could actually physically be there with you but I'm with you in spirit, and the whole world is with you in spirit. You've poked the monster in the eye, and it moved. When you do that, never let up, never surrender, never give up. Keep poking. Stay peaceful. Stay calm. Stay the wonderful people that y'all are. I've traveled through Canada twice, going to Alaska, coming back. Some of the kindest, politest people. And that's evident if you've seen any of the if you've seen any of the, the video footage of these protests, it's incredible. There's, it's cleaner. Like, they're scrubbing statues. They're taking the snow off the sidewalk where when the city didn't, the protesters did. Keep that. The way we win is we show the world their evil face by being more and more kind. There's a proverb that says, you heap coals upon your enemy's lap when you show him kindness. Let's keep doing that. But let's also remember, we balance that. It's a dichotomy. We balance that kindness with justice and mercy. And what that means is, when they lift the mask mandate, we will not run and jump and play in the streets like the sheep will. No, we will be happy that we're making progress. 
but we will continuously and relentlessly drive forward to make sure that all those that are responsible for the massive amounts of destruction, of human destruction, are are held accountable. And if that means it takes 1946-style Nuremberg trials, then that's what we do. We use the rule of law. We don't do it with masses. But we hold people accountable for what they knew they were doing. And since I got you here, one more clip from Canada, because I think this is just, this just shows how much these leaders, they really care. I don't know why I bring all these papers and never look at them. Well, you give the numbers I do, I go, oh, oh, oh. I say that. Did you really say that? <laughs> I just say whatever they write down for me. <laughs> That's why you're guessing. Isn't that terrible? But it's good. It's also good. Because now they've taken off their mask and they've shown us who they are. And because they've shown us who they are, we know. There's no more question in our mind. Vote them out. Get them out. And when it's time for the trials to come, hold them accountable. So as you may or may not know, I'm a board-certified family physician in the American Academy of Family Physicians. And I recently got an article in the mail. And so I'm going to read you the title, Medicine by the Numbers, a collaboration of the NNT, titled Redemisvir for Treatment of COVID-19, written by Robert Allen, Matthew Turner, Ian D'Souza. They're all physicians. And what this talks about is, well, let me read you, efficacy endpoints, all-cause mortality and need for respiratory support, high-flow oxygen, non-invasive or invasive ventilation up to 28 days after treatment, duration of Duration of invasive mechanical ventilation, quality of life, duration of hospitalization, intensive care, ICU admission, and duration of ICU stay. Harm endpoints. Any adverse events are, you know, up to 28 days. Okay, so basically what this tells us is, I'm going to read you, so it, it talks about the group rating system. You know, if it's green, it's greater, benefits are greater than harms. If it's yellow, it's unclear benefits. Red, no benefits. And black is harms greater than benefits. So what it says here is that the they make they mark it as yellow, unclear benefits. It says the benefit. No one was helped. I'm sorry, what did I say? No one was helped. <laughs> this has got to be wrong. <laughs> I must be reading some wrong words here. Let me try that again. No one was helped. No, I got that right. Neither death nor the need for respiratory support was prevented. And the harms are, well, they're unclear. They're, they're just unclear. I mean, we, we know it causes like organ failure and it causes all, all sorts of issues. But but we're going to put here in this article that it's the harms are unclear because we don't want to be too you know definite that, that we could be harming people. So we're just going to put the harms are unclear. This is what doctors are reading. This is what's going out to a family medicine docs. So... Family medicine docs, yeah, some of us do inpatient ICU work. Usually, these types of ICUs are left up to the intensivist, like the internal medicine doctor, who that's all they do. And and this is what this is what they're reading. So I mean, they're somewhat honest in the fact that they say that it's not you know green benefits greater than harm, but but why are they? even putting this in a family medicine magazine for Demisvir. It's just, it's an interesting, interesting take. Because again, yeah, yeah, sure, family medicine docs can do ICU work, 
and you know I did in residency. But most ICUs, they're they're sick people, and usually consult the the intensivist. That's what they do all day long. You know, doctors. So a doctor like I that I would consult would be some someone like you know Pierre Corey, Doctor Pierre Corey, or even Doctor Paul Merrick. Oh, but wait, wait, yeah, that's right. Doctor Paul Merrick was had was forced to resign. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably why they're telling family medicine docs this because they're getting rid of the people that speak the truth, and so they're trying to jam propaganda down family medicine physicians' throats. But but we're smarter than that. We're not going to buy that garbage. That's right. No, so you got to whisper it because you know you don't want to be deplatformed, or removed, or you know whatever crazy things they may do. You know you don't want to be accused of spreading mis or dis or even malinformation. Because good night, what could happen? Okay, so let's let's listen to some different little soundbite I have here. This one is Bill Gates, and he talks about because uh, we all know, you know, Bill Gates. He's he's a software engineer, and he's he's a doctor, and he he's you know an immunologist. Oh, wait a second. Sorry, someone's telling. They're telling me something about. Oh, we don't we don't want to be accused of spreading misinformation. He's not a physician. He's not an immunologist. He just has a personal interest in these things. Let's find out some more. A lot of things we try out here first in India, and then when they work, we take them to the rest of the world. I think I heard that wrong. Let, let's Can we roll the clip again? Let, let's hear that one more time. A lot of things we try out here first in India, and then when they work, we take them to the rest of the world. Nope, I was right. I heard that. I think we all heard that correctly. I think he just said that he uses India as a giant testing laboratory. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's what you heard, but that's certainly what I heard is that India is a giant testing laboratory. He doesn't really care about the people in India. But, but you know, it's interesting that... Hang on, we got one more clip. Can we, can we roll the next clip, please? Go ahead and hit the next clip. Uh, first, we've got population. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Hang on a second. Did, did We didn't hear that right, did we? No, we don't have to play the clip again. The people can just, you know, hit reverse and listen to it again, maybe a couple times, maybe even make it like a, like a meme or something. How if we do everything right and we work really hard, we can probably decrease the total population of the earth by 10 or 15 percent. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. I thought... I thought immunizations helped increase longevity, increase world population. Wow, have I been so wrong. I, I, my goodness. No wonder I was silenced because, you know, in, in the clinic and removed and accused of misinformation because I completely misunderstood. I thought immunizations and reproductive health, I thought the point was to make a better life and to allow more people to live on the earth not to reduce the population of the world by 10 or 15%. But <laughs> what do I know? I guess we should listen to Dr. Uh, Bill uh, Gates. Sorry, I'm just getting handed a message here. Yeah. Let me. Okay. Let me read it. Not a doctor. Well, dang. I keep getting confused. I thought he was a doctor. Here are also some older reports of stuff. You probably 
heard it way back when, but I'll go ahead and go back at it and tell you just, just in case you didn't hear it. Uh, this is a quote from John Magfuli. He was the president of Tanzania from 2015 to 21, 2021. He was known as the bulldozer. He's been quoted as saying, We need to be careful because some of the donations to fight coronavirus could be used to transmit the virus. I want to urge you Tanzanians not to accept donations of masks. Instead, tell the donors to go use them with their wives and their children. He's also quoted as saying, The coronavirus, which is a devil, cannot survive in the body of Christ. It will burn away. He's also been quoted to say, We have had a number of viral diseases, including AIDS and measles. Our economy must come first. It must not sleep. Life must go on. Countries elsewhere in Africa will be coming here to buy food in the years to come. They will be suffering because of shutting down their economy. He was found dead. Okay, let's go ahead and roll the next clip so we get a little more from this this Gates guy who's not really a doctor. I don't want to spread misinformation, so let's make it clear. He's not a doctor. No, sadly... The virus itself, particularly the, the variant called Omicron, uh, is a type of vaccine. That is, it creates both B-cell and T-cell immunity. Did you hear that? And it's done a better job of getting out to the world population uh, than we have with vaccines. If you do uh, sero surveys in African countries, you get well over 80% of people uh, have been exposed either to the vaccine or uh, to various variants. And so, you know, what that does is it means the chance of severe disease, which is mainly associated with being elderly and uh, having obesity or diabetes, those risks are now dramatically reduced because of that uh, infection exposure. And, you know, it's sad. We didn't do a great job on therapeutics. You know, only here, two years in, do we have a a good therapeutic? Vaccines, it took us two years to be in oversupply. Today, there are more vaccines than there is demand for vaccines. Uh, I wonder why there's more and, vaccines you know, than demand. true, and next time we should try and make it, instead of two years, we should make it more like six months, uh, which certainly... Uh, Rushing things to market know, faster is always better. Platform approaches, Trust me, I'm a doctor. ...would allow us to do that. So, you know, it, it took us a lot longer this time than, than it should have. Okay, next one. Pierre Nekazrumbi. I'm sorry, I am not obviously not pronouncing that properly, but he was the president of Burundi from 2005 to 2020. Burundi ordered the expulsion of the World Health Organization's experts uh, team backing the country's response to the coronavirus pandemic just days before the country's election. He's been quoted as saying, they are expelled and the health minister has totally excluded WHO, accusing it of unacceptable interference in its management of the coronavirus. The landlocked country of some 11 million officially recorded 27 cases and one death of coronavirus. It has taken few precautions against the disease, and the rate of testing is low. He was also found dead. Okay, so let's go ahead and just change direction just a little bit. I want to play an audio clip uh, that was done recently by some doctors, and they have some very strong words for other doctors, which I wholeheartedly agree with. There's an overwhelming consensus that nothing worked. Nothing could work, nothing did work, and nothing will work. That includes the vaccinations, which are not just unnecessary, experimental, 
untested and are actually killing people. I want to take this moment to point a finger directly at the principal cause of why we're all here today. And it's not the government. No, it's us physicians who have been intimidated by our colleges, both provincially and internationally. If physicians had not been intimidated by the very body that's supposed to protect you from me, if they'd been allowed to speak their mind without the threat of losing their income and their positions, then an individual patient, such as you and me, in a closed examining room, would have been told the truth. The truth. They have been denied that ability to do that. We have had that for centuries. The two principal medical ethics have been trampled on by this government. First do no harm and informed consent. First do no harm has been trampled on. The mandates have killed, as we've heard, more people, many more people than, than they've saved. But informed consent, I would put it to you, how can you give informed consent if you are not informed? And you have been denied information intentionally by the colleges that are supposed to protect you. So I say this, putting a point on it, the colleges of physicians and surgeons across this country and internationally are co-conspirators with government in state-sanctioned murder. Thank you. Thank you. State-sanctioned murder, that sounds pretty rough. Like, I mean, surely he is making this out a little worse than it could be, right? I mean, right, Dr. Sigloff? Tell me, tell me that, that it's not as bad as that sounds, because that sounds pretty bad. This next clip is Todd Callender being interviewed on True News. Todd Callender's a great guy. He and I have been able to meet during this entire thing that's going on, and it's an honor to call him a friend. But let's go ahead and hear him talk about this. So a little background on he on uh, Mr. Callender is he is a lawyer that does uh, disability claims. And so he works with insurance companies for disability. So that's why he is an expert in this particular field that he's talking on right now. You're making a percent and a half or something like that when you're underwriting this kind of risk. Secondarily, every contract like this, whether it's morbidity or whether it's mortality contracts, having the exclusions that we're not going to pay a claim if you undertook experimental therapy. And there was a case came out, I guess, about three weeks ago. It'll be a landmark case. And the judge looked at this and, and effectively called the person who took the experimental shot, who died, called it a suicide. He characterized it as a suicide because you knew or should have known that you were taking part in a, in a highly dangerous activity called a phase three clinical trial. And therefore, you voided the coverage under the contract. The insurance company does not have to pay that claim. In fact, any insurance company that has that kind of provision in their exclusions, and I can guarantee almost all will, will not have to pay claims. Isn't that shocking? Don't you think your doctor should have maybe informed you or at least looked into that, that or the consent form that you had should have said, hey, this may nullify your life insurance policy if you die because this is a dangerous activity? taking an experimental medication that no one knows what the long-term outcomes are that have never been used in wide scale in humans before with compounds in them, lipid nanoparticles that have never, that, that still are not allowed to be used in humans for research only. Don't take my word for it. Go look for it yourself. Look at the material safety data sheets. Look at the, the manufacturer paper that they put out on it. It says, Hey, it's in, it's in B and T 
whatever the numbers are. And it's for experimental use only, not for human use. But don't take my word for it. Go look for it yourself because it says that. And it's tragic that these doctors were not telling these people that they may lose their, that they will, they may and will likely lose their coverage of their health insurance, which is tragic. Good Lord, that's terrible. The best way I can characterize the lack of informed consent is pure evil. And, and I say that because I'm not saying that the people that did it are necessarily evil. I'm saying that this entire thing that's going on right now, it is a battle. There is a war going on. It is in the unseen realm. It's a battle of good and evil. And it's not just me who sees it. Let me go ahead and share another clip from Todd Callender in the True News interview. That's right. Where are we, Todd? Where are we right now? We're lost. We're lost. We're in the final battle, Rick. You and I both know that. Yes. Let me let me explain something to you that, that will get to that point. When, when I filed suit, we thought we had about 200,000 plaintiffs. And from the moment I filed that suit, we had thousands and thousands of service members coming to us for help. How do I get out of taking this shot? And our firm serviced all those people, by the way, for free. We didn't charge anybody. The point of me telling you that is out of those thousands and thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people that came to us, almost all of them were Christian. How is it possible? And at least they had a foundation or in a relationship with God. There was a handful that weren't. I call them Old Testament um, Jews, perhaps. But, but everybody had a relationship with God. My point is this is discernment. It, it's yes. like Matthew 13, 38. It's the wheat and the tares. And it is only us that have a relationship with God that we're able to actually discern this. The rest of them, they can't see it. They're unwilling to see it. And I think what it boils down to is twofold. Number one of which is the people who don't have a relationship with God are afraid of dying. And they'll grasp onto anything to try and, and, and survive. The rest of us, we know when our day comes, we're going to join the Father and it'll be fine. And we're not worried about those things. I think we have a different outlook on life than those other people who are just terrified. They're still wearing their mask alone driving their car. And let's say you're not convinced yet that this is evil we're battling. I don't know if you've seen this video yet, but here's the audio clip of it. And I need to warn you that for some people it may sound graphic. And I know that sounds ridiculous saying, but, but truly it is. So let me set the stage for you just a little bit. This is a, a protest that's going on in Canada right now. There's a woman who's in the street and she's you can hear her speak and how she's so heartbroken and how she's saying that this is a protest of love and, and nonviolent. And then you in the background, you kind of hear someone yell, hold the line. And you hear someone yell, there's horses. And then the horses trample right through the area where that poor woman was, was, was standing. And, and they trample her. Now, I don't know what the outcome was. I pray to God, and I, and I hope that I urge you to pray for her as well, that she's okay. But let's go ahead and listen. Horses. Oh, 
you did to her. Look what you did to her. Look what you did to her. You trampled on the lady who is unaccessible. I'm sorry, that's hard to listen to. It's it's absolutely tragic, but it shows you the evilness that's going on. And if you haven't seen it, then if that doesn't open your eyes, then nothing will. And if that nice woman, elderly lady, if she can stand against horses, if she can hold the line, there's no excuse for any of us. Not a single bit of excuse. Nothing. Like, yeah, they're looking at my taking away my license. Who cares? There's not a horse that's trampling me possibly to death. Anybody out there who's on the fence, this is the time to get up and get out. Say something. Stand. Do it peacefully. Because there is nothing greater in this world than to see the evil showcased as they trample a woman. Please pray for her tonight and for her family. But this must stop. This is the same way that Jesus won. This is the same way that Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi won, is civil disobedience and peace. None of this should ever be violent. But when they use violence against us, it shows the world who they are and who the peaceful protesters are. I have another message from Doc. Doc's been a regular on here. Doc sent me this message week, two weeks ago. But I think it's important that everyone hears this message now. Thanks, Doc, for letting me share this message with the world. Guys, this is a pivotal moment in this battle. June 6, 1944, Normandy Beach, Omaha, Beachhead. General George Taylor, retired general, uh, colonel at the time, first ID. He was up there with his men under fire, MG-42s overhead, incoming, direct and indirect. And uh, he said to his men, guys, there's two kinds of people on this beach, two, two kinds of soldiers, the dead and those who will die. Let's go. This is that pivotal moment. I've done a lot of combat, either as a, as a dock or as a Green Beret, and there are momentum changes and shifts in battle, and this is it. You have to identify it. This is when we start getting other people to step out. We get up on that hill, we look, we look tight, but we've got to get that momentum behind us to where every single doctor that was sitting on the fence will get off that fence. And all those quiet ones that tell us in the background, good job, hey man, it's really cool. That will change all of this, I promise you. This is it. Thank you, Doctor, for that powerful message. Those of you that are standing, continue to stay and never surrender, never give in. For those of you that, that are like Doc described, yeah, way to go, buddy, come on, keep doing it. Now is your time to stand with us. Because for if we fail, there will be no one left for you. And lastly, I put what I like to call a secret hidden track at the end after the closeout song. And the reason I'm putting it there is because I don't really know where else to put it. it. It's an incomplete list, and I apologize for that. After about 20 minutes of reading, it was 23 minutes exactly, after reading um, these documents, I, I just I couldn't read anymore. And admittedly, I only read three of the nine pages. Appendix 1 list of adverse events of special interest this is from the document called 5.36 cumulative analysis of post authorization adverse events reports of pf bunch of numbers which is bnt 162b2 received through 28 february 2021 
received through 21. And it just, I didn't even realize that till just now, until 21, that we're in 22 now. But yeah, so just for your reference to, so you know how fast I sped it up, I, I sped it up to eight times normal speed and cut out all of the breaks. And it's only three of the nine pages of adverse reactions of special interest. That list will roll once the music stops. But until then, hold the line. And let's all make courage more contagious than fear. I'll tell you what I'll do. I typically get approximately 500 listeners per episode. If I can, if you can get me a thousand listeners per this episode, what I'll do is I'll take the time, I'll read the entire list, and I'll put the entire list in its entirety up, read at normal speed with a list of all the diagnoses. So if you really want me to do that, I'll do it. But the way you get me to do it is you help spread, help spread my listenership across, and let's get a thousand listeners for this episode and i'll take the time i'll it takes an hour however long it takes i'll go ahead and read it and i'll do it and i'll put it up as a special episode but it's up to you i'm not going to do it unless you want me to and the way you want me to is you get me a thousand listeners which is double what we typically get